never pass away. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. You can trust in his word. You can take him at his word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them I'm glad to see you at midweek Bible study. Amen. And you may be seated in the house of the Lord. While you're seated, amen, I'm, I alluded to a little bit on, on Sunday. How many enjoyed this last weekend with Brother Irvin in pursuit? Amen. What a tremendous time we had. Powerful moves of God, powerful preaching. I believe that we received words from the Lord. And, uh, you know, we, we, we ought not take that lightly, that God is still speaking to us. And so very thankful for that. But it took a lot of effort, took a lot of work this last week to make everything happen. First and foremost, uh, Brother Troy and Sister Bettina Diaz, our youth leaders. Amen. Let's give them a hand. And then we had all of our ushers and all of our security. Let's give them a hand. Amen. And then we had setup and teardown crew. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Now, I could go through and I could list names, but let's be real. It was everybody in this room. It was an all-hands-on-deck event for all those that served in the minister's room and made that happen. Uh, it was excellent, and I'm just continuing to get uh, good reports from what, what happened this last week. There were so many people that were excited about what God's doing in Carson City, and they went home to their churches blessed. And that's the whole reason that we've done everything that we've done. We want to affect our region. Amen. That's not just affecting our church, although it does. We want to affect our entire region. And all those that came, they went home different than how they showed up. And that's because of the sacrifice of the saints of Apostolic Revival Center. Let's give ourselves a hand. Amen. So thank you. Thank you. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of, uh, book of Genesis and just kind of hold it open. Genesis chapter 12 and 13. Kind of get yourself in the right vicinity. If you need a table of contents, it's the first book of the Bible. Pastor, why don't we hurry up and get out of this book? Well, we're going to take a little while here. Uh, this, is, this is, we're learning scriptures, we're learning uh, the, the Word of God, and the more that we learn, the better Christians we're going to become. We're going to add to our faith. Two weeks ago, we took this last Wednesday off, but two weeks ago we did our Bible study, and we started our lesson on Abram. Abram was called of God after 400 years after the flood. Amen. Uh, 400 years after the flood, God called unto Abram to travel by faith unto an undisclosed distant land. He was called to leave everything behind. And if you have Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1, this is the call of God unto Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. That is the prophecy of Jesus Christ that is going to come. And the Bible says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken, 
and Lot went with him. And we'll stop right there. God called him out of this gross, idolatrous world. This is a post-Babel, post-Babylon world where false religion, where astronomy and astrology has come forth. And God speaks to Abram and says, you got to leave all of that behind. You're going to have to leave behind the paganism. And now I'm going to bless you. And this blessing is not just for you. You are blessed to be a blessing. And you will teach your family, who in, t in turn will teach their families about the one true God. And the way that this happened was this was a personal call to separation. This was a personal call to separation. God was going to have Abram come out of everything that he had known. Now, we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago. Separation is not isolation. So if you're taking notes, isolation, it means to seclude yourself from everything and everybody. That is not what God does. Amen. Separation is when God, God excludes you to himself. He separates you from others and from other things, and he calls you to himself. But it is not so you can stay there. I want you to know God has not called us to be Amish. God has not called us to be monks in a monastery. God calls us out, and it's not permanent that God calls us out, except for when we're talking about spiritual separation. We're always to be separated from the world. But God will often call somebody, and there might be a season in your life. I remember my pastor would often talk about it, that he was when he got saved, he was a heavy metal guitarist and part of a rock band, that when God spoke to him and called him out of that lifestyle, that God called him to set down his guitar. Now, every time he comes here and preaches, he picks up a guitar, and he, he absolutely shreds for Jesus. Amen. Uh, but it wasn't a permanent deal. It was giving him a fresh slate, or as uh, Brother Irvin preached on Sunday night, that New Year's, that new beginning, God was doing that. But separation is, a, is an act of God. Separation is a theology, that, a doctrine that goes all the way back to Genesis. You might remember that the first thing God did was he separated light from dark. He separated the waters below from the waters above. Separation is a God thing. Everybody that's ever got called of God out of this world and out of sin and into a place of repentance, it always starts by God separating you from some things. But here's the difference. Isolation will just put you off in a corner. Separation will call you out unto God, and it will then take you into something greater. God starts this, this process of separation by removing influences in your life that are not going to lead you the way that God wants to lead you. Separation from familiar surroundings meant leaving his parents. It meant leaving his family members. And often, we must also separate ourselves from the plans and the wishes of our loved ones and our friends. Like Abram, we must walk by faith, guided by God. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn open to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Just giving a little recap here for the sake uh, of our memory. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Bible says this, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the pastor. 
saith the organization. No, saith the Lord. Separation is not a man thing. It's a God thing. Be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I want to just talk to everybody for just a moment. Don't resist separation. Don't resist conviction. It was preached on Sunday. There are moments of conviction where the man of God's preaching, the word of God's going forth. You know that God is speaking to you, or it might have explicitly been in the Bible or explicitly taught over the pulpit, calling us to a place of separation where it causes us to lay some things aside for the sake and the call of God, for the sake and the call of salvation. And we must not resist that. He said that you got to come out from among them. And if you read the previous verses as we did the pre, as we did two weeks ago, it talks about what agreement has light with darkness. It's a rhetorical question. There's no agreement. What, what fellowship has Christ and the devil? There's no fellowship between Christ and the devil. And what, what communion has the temple of God with idols? Well, there's none. There's no communion. There's no connection. And this is when he tells us and connects it all together. Because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, we are called to separation. And he says, you're going to have to separate yourself from some people. There's some people in this present world. There's some ideologies in this present world. There are some things in this present world. He said, touch not the unclean thing. There's some people you're going to have to separate yourself from. There's some activities you're going to have to separate yourself from. I want to tell you, separation is one of the most fundamental biblical doctrines in the entire Word of God. When we separate ourselves from these things, we are leaving and laying beside every weight and the sin that easily besets us. And we are reaching for a greater calling, the calling of Jesus Christ. So don't, don't resist separation. It might be that God will speak to you in your private prayer time, and he'll start convicting you of some things. Let me just help us here today. Amen. That is a call to separation. Conviction is of God. Conviction is that, 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 that feeling. There's something about this. I don't know quite what it is. It's not right. I remember when I first got saved, I would sit down in the living room, and my parents were watching television. I watched with them. I brand new in church, and I felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost that said, you don't need to be watching that. Well, that's a little extreme. That's a little right wing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but I'd rather be on, on this side of the fence than on that side of the fence. And, and let me talk to everybody that says, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, when's the last time you prayed? Because when you pray, and I'm not trying to say that critically. I mean that very honestly. When's the last time you prayed? Because when you pray, the Holy Ghost will speak to you and I about some very similar things. God is not going to tell me it's all right and tell you, uh, no, it's not okay. There, when it comes to things that are, that are in the Word of God, things that are, uh, you know, the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 1, that even though we don't do the things, we have pleasure in those that do them. I want to tell you, it's, it's, we can be guilty by association where we don't, well, I didn't, I didn't commit murder, but we watched about 500 murders on Netflix this week. And I didn't commit adultery, but you watch about 30 of them on the Internet today. There, you know, we can become guilty by association. And if we're going to truly be the people of God, 
which is the promise of 2 Corinthians 6 and 18, that if you'll come out from among them and be separate, he said, I'll, I'll be your God. You'll be my people. It's a promise. Separation is always come out from among them so that you can be closer to God. God will never tell you to do something that won't lead you closer to him. If God is telling you to lay some things down, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a hobby, whether it be entertainment, whatever it is, it's always to lead you closer to him. And everybody said amen. So I just wanted to really take a recap there. Separation's a God thing. And God will separate you from people. I'm not saying it's permanent. God will call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a separation. Out of darkness into a light. That, for the express purpose, we might show forth the praises of him that call us out. So that means that God separates us out from this present world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Amen. We are called out of sin, called out of darkness, into light. And when we get in the light, it is the hope of God that we get so full of the Holy Ghost that when we go and encounter darkness, we don't go back to darkness, but we start pulling people out of darkness. When God separates you, it's not so you can become some weirdo. <laughs> Amen. God separates you out. So that you can go back in with the light of God's word, with the love of Jesus, and share the gospel with those that were just like you and I, that were just as lost as we are. Because the call of separation is not individual, it's for everybody. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Amen. There are layers of resistance to separation. The first layer of, of resistance to separation is demonic. Amen. Demonic resistance. When you come into the church and you get baptized in Jesus' name, you think, man, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Everything's going to be perfect from now on. How many knows that's not true? How many knows that? Not? I, I, now, let me just say this. It might just be that you weren't aware of the battle going on around you. Or it could be that you were a POW and you didn't know it. But now you're actually back in the battle. You're in the fight. And so there's some people, the moment they got saved, they lost jobs, people that used to love them, started hating them. Uh, there's, I've been there, amen. But, but God separates, he pulls us out of all of that, amen. It's this demonic attack. The devil wants you to go back to Egypt. He wants you to go back to the world. He wants Abram when he gets worn out and tired, amen. He wants him to go back to where God called him out of, amen. But I want to tell you, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that if he would have been mindful of that country, he would have returned. When you get saved, you need to erase your memory of where you came from. I'm not talking about your testimony. I'm talking about I don't even think about the bar stool anymore. I don't even think about that relationship anymore. I'm so, I'm so in love with Jesus and so in love with the church. I don't even think about it. Amen. Because what you dwell on is where you'll end up. And that's probably where we're going here tonight. But first layer is demonic. The devil will attack you when you get do you, you know, that there will be little voices in your head. Is that necessary? And he'll start playing on the next layer of, of resistance when it comes to separation. The flesh. He will, this is how the devil speaks to you. He speaks to you through your flesh. Amen. And he'll, he'll tell Abram, is that really necessary? Do you really need to leave all of that behind for God to really do all of these things? And Abram's flesh could have said, well, man, the Ur of the Chaldees is real nice and it's comfortable and, you know, I've got everything set up, and I've got, I've got a house, and I've got a job, and I've got all these things here. And he could have stayed, and the devil would have played on his flesh. Your flesh will lie to you. For the person said, follow your heart, 
that is, that is a bear, that's a very bad idea. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9 that the heart, 17 and 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your flesh. Because your flesh will desire all sorts of things that will lead you away from God, that will lead you away from the separation God's leading you into. It'll be, there will be a little voice in your head that say, well, is that really necessary? Well, I don't know. Show me, show me chapter and verse where it says I should not smoke crack. It'll make you want to be a theologian without actually being one. Uh, your flesh will lie to you. It's, it's a resistance to separation. But when we pray through the flesh, when we pray through the demonic activity, all of a sudden we'll start feeling the conviction of God and the leading of God. The Bible says, do we not know that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? Amen. God is the good shepherd, and he leads us out of some things. He leads us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us into good pastures and beside still waters. But we've got to be spiritual enough to let God lead us into a place of separation. The next layer, so you got demonic, you got flesh. Next layer is family and friends. That doesn't mean that family and friends are, are the devil. They're family and friends. It's just what they are. But often they, they want the version of you that they have the most control over. Amen. This was actually what Abram had to face the most. This is why God said, come out of your family. There are some folks in this building, you're so individualistic, it wouldn't matter if, if your great-grandfather and your cousin came over. You would just still live for God. But there's some folks that you do well until your family starts coming around. And then you start missing church. You do well until your cousin comes around and says, does that really necessary? And you start changing. There's some folks you do well until you go on vacation with family. And then you start changing your convictions. Amen. This is where it's, it's an area of resistance. And if we are aware to it, we can start building up our fortification and say, you know what, this is an area where I'm not strong, so I'm going to draw the line, and I'm going to let it be known. This is where I stand. This is where I will stand, whether family's here, whether friends here or not. Amen. And the final layer is culture. Listen, if you are looking to fit in in, the, in 2023, don't be a Christian. Don't be a Christian. Don't believe that there's man and woman. Don't believe... Don't believe in morality. Don't believe in going to church. Don't believe in modesty. Don't believe in separation. If you want to be a Christian in 2023, don't expect to fit in. In fact, Jesus said, this world only will, ha will only hate you because it first hated me. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who went out and uh, is just, you know, being obstinate and just being wild for the sake of being wild. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that is living for God, and the world is saying, well, you, you need to stop that. I want to tell you, it's happened in Canada. It was preached about this last week on Friday night, but it's coming to a, it's coming to a city near us where they're trying, to they're trying to silence the pulpit and silence the church. And if you ever say anything but what the agenda of our world is, they're going to ostracize you. And if you ever say, there, there's a place in Canada right now where they are arresting preachers for daring to speak against a certain lifestyle. I'm not talking about hate speech. I'm not talking about being rude to people. I'm talking about simply stating biblical facts that God created male and female. They're now being imprisoned. That is coming to a world near us. Amen. We are so cloistered in America, we think because it doesn't happen here, it doesn't happen anywhere. We have to have convictions. We have to be separated. And everybody said amen. I'm going to jump off that horse and we're going to move on. Amen. Abram walked in faith and let God lead him into separation. Here's the problem, though. He left his country. He left his kindred. But he did not leave Lot. 
He took Lot with him. And we're going to talk about Lot a little bit here today. Failing to do the complete will of God resulted in negative consequences for Abram and his descendants for centuries to come. Abram and Lot became very rich with herds and with flocks. They became too big to dwell together, and strife came between them. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 6. Thirteen and six of Genesis. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. If Abram would have listened to God, he would have been just fine. Because God was taking him to a land that was sufficient for what he was going to give to Abram. But Abram wanted to try to keep his, uh, he wanted to follow God and keep his family and friends with him. I'm not, uh, don't misunderstand me. I mean, keep your family and your friends. Amen. But he wanted to, God's specific call to Abram was he had to leave all that behind. I don't believe that it was necessarily going to be permanent. I think it was just a seasonal deal. And then when he finally got on location and on position and God blessed him, I believe God would have eventually uh, brought Lot to him. That's my personal belief. But he, he, he got ahead of God and he stepped out. The lamb was not able to, to dwell, to, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite uh, dwelled in the land. And, and, and Abram said to Lot, Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between thee and between me, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt go to the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Abram is finally starting to step out into the place of separation. He's finally getting ready. And it caused, it had to be friction that caused this. It had to be a trouble and trial that caused this. Let me just speak to everybody that God has been speaking to you. Don't wait for trouble to come in your life to obey God. Amen. If God speaks to you about something, obey him immediately. Amen. It is always easier to, to obey God than it is to deal with the consequences of disobeying God. Abram tried to smooth over the negative that he had caused through his disobedience. And he started saying, Lot, let's separate ourselves. Now we're going we're gonna to go in and we're going to talk a little bit about Lot and his character here tonight. Amen. Verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. This is what he saw. I want to tell you, Lot did not have good vision. He had, he had eyesight, but he didn't have vision. Lot lifted up his eyes, and he, he beheld all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Notice that. This is how he's seeing it. Like the land of Egypt. Now, where did he get that from? As you come unto Zoar. And Lot chose all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from another. Abram left, and in a time of famine, he ended up in Egypt. And he brought Lot with him. And it was in this moment, Lot got a taste of Egypt. And if you study the Bible for any time at all, you'll notice that Egypt is always a type of the world. It's a type of sin. And when they went into the world and they went into sin, they brought some things out with them. They never thought that they would. We're going to read about it next week. But Abram and Sarai brought Hagar, an Egyptian bondmaid. 
and it will cause problems that are still affecting the Middle East today. We're not talking about theology. We're not talking about history. We're not talking about uh, the Bible right now. We're talking about literally it's affecting the Middle East today. We're talking lineage and heritage of families that are still warring and fighting over the Gaza Strip. They're fighting in Israel today. And it came from a decision that Abram made when he took a detour out of the will of God into Egypt. And they took more things out of Egypt than they meant to. And so this is important for us to notate here today. Lot, when he looked out, he saw Sodom and Gomorrah. But he saw it through the lens of having seen Egypt. I don't believe it was the will of God. It never, never in the Bible does it say it was the will of God for them to go to Egypt. In fact, God, God was not for that. Later, God will tell Abram's son not to go into Egypt. Amen. And he, he, as, as we go into this, amen, Lot looks down and he sees all of this. And it looks good. He sets his direction. And it looks good. Verse number 12 and Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, but Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. That's something that Lot missed. That's something that Lot missed. He looked down and it looked good. I want you to notice something. Lot used the gauge of the flesh to determine the direction of his life. The land that looked good. I want to just talk to everybody here tonight. What looks good is one of the devil's favorite traps. It looks good. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. And everybody said amen. This has been the downfall of many people. They made decisions without praying, without fasting. They made decisions based on what the appearance was. And I want to tell everybody here today, don't make any decisions without praying and fasting and getting a word from God. Hallelujah. I'll say that again. Don't make any decisions, any decisions without praying and fasting and hearing from God because there are consequences. And we're going to talk about that here tonight. There are consequences when we make decisions based on what it seems or what it appears. The Bible says of the devil that the devil... Yes, the one that every cartoon has a, he's red, he's got horns and a pitchfork, right? You know, I'm talking about every, that devil. I want to tell you, that's not the devil of the Bible. The Bible says that even Satan is transformed into an angel of light. And he looks like everything you've ever wanted. And he looks like he often appears as the easier route. Notice, Abram, Lot just looked around, and he saw the, the mountains, and he thought, there's no way we're going to drill for water here. He said, in fact, it's going to be hard to raise cattle, hard to raise crops up here in the mountain. And he looked down towards the well-watered plains of Sodom, and he said, this is, ooh, this looks great. Let's move my whole family down there. But he wasn't looking with spiritual eyes. It looked good. And I've seen many people follow this. And we're just, we're just talking through the Bible here tonight. We're using Lot as, an, as a nice backdrop for Christian living. Because I've seen a lot of people that they stumble and they fall based on they, they have something appear to them. And it looks like the perfect opportunity, the perfect chance. I want to tell you, don't do anything without consulting God first. And everybody said amen. Amen. Lot pitched his tent. It sounds like such a harmless statement. But the men of Sodom were wicked. 
He set his direction. And I preached on a little while ago. I won't harp on that. But direction matters. The direction you set your family, it makes a difference. The direction you set your, your, your Christianity, it matters. The direction you set your marriage, it matters. All direction matters. And if you are, you know, some people say, well, it's only the action that matters. No, direction matters too. You know, there's certain things that we, you know, we, we, we take stances on certain things. And some people would say, well, why does that matter? It's directional. It, it doesn't, well, is it sinful? Can you show me the Bible? No, I can't. But I can show you principles. And furthermore, I can show you the principle of direction. And there's certain things that as an apostolic church, we do not involve ourselves in. Why? Because it's directional. And, uh, and sometimes it's like, well, I, I need to see chapter and verse. Well, okay, let's talk about the direction it's headed. And that's something I think that, was, that a lot of elders had that we are, we are starting to lack. I, I don't think it's permanent. I'm not going to speak something over this generation that isn't true. But it's starting to lack that we just see what is and we don't look ahead. And we're so used to uh, Instagram and Facebook and everything just coming across. And it seems so harmless in the moment. But we don't see the direction that it's taking. Whereas other generations, they looked and they said, how will this affect my kids and my grandkids? They were setting everything up for the future. And the apostolic church is a perfect example for this. There were men of God that prayed and fasted for seven or eight days that made decisions that the church was not going to be involved in this. The church was not going to do certain things. The church was not going to go uh, certain directions. And they made those decisions based on the direction it would take the church. And now I see people even in my generation that are starting to turn the boat and say, well, it doesn't really matter anymore. But if we just looked over the last 50 years, everybody that's followed that direction has ended up shipwrecked and it hasn't worked out well for them. How do we think nowadays it's going to work out well for us? If men of God prayed when it was leave it to beaver that we ought not be watching those things, well... And now there's all sorts of junk on YouTube, Netflix, Facebook shorts and reels. I'm just going to be very real. Hallelujah. There's all that stuff. And we, we, we can't see the problem with it. I want to tell you what, what Lot didn't notice was that the men of Sodom were wicked, but he set his direction towards them. I want to tell you where our direction ought to be. Our direction ought to be towards heaven. What you're doing here tonight, you, you know, why, why do I need to go to midweek? I want to tell you it's directional. It's directional. If nothing else, you're telling your flesh, flesh, you're not in control. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Bible study. I'm going to learn the Word of God, and it's going to rub my flesh wrong at times. And I'm not always going to like what the preacher has to say and what the Bible has to say, but it's good for me because it's putting me in the right direction in a world that's going the opposite direction. We need to be in places like the church where it sets our affection on things above, and it sets our affection in heaven and not in earth, where it sets our eyes towards the hill from whence comes our help and not on this present evil world. Amen. This is why, and I'll, I'll talk about this at another time, but when, even, when you get to the tabernacle, the tabernacle of God was supposed to be in the center. The tabernacle, that's where the presence of God dwelt. It was in the center. And all 12 tribes set up their tents with their door flaps, not facing the enemy. Not facing what could come in and attack them. That's, that would be the most logical thing. Their direction had to be set where all of the tabernacle tent doors were facing the church. They were facing the tabernacle. They were facing the presence of God. I want to tell you, don't, don't set your 
calendar based on your work schedule and don't set your calendar based on your family schedule and don't set your schedule on I'm just using this as an example but set everything based on what is God doing what what is the presence of the Lord doing I want my life and my family to revolve around the church I want it to revolve around the presence of God I want it to revolve around the glory of the Lord somebody clap your hands and give him praise Lot pitched his tent, set the direction of his life. And we're going to prove that here in a minute. The door of his tent was facing Sodom. And an evil spirit, the evil spirits of Sodom and Gomorrah started affecting Lot. Well, pastor, I can watch it. It doesn't really affect me. We'll see. We'll see. I want you to have a Holy Ghost prayer meeting after you get done watching that. Amen. I want you to see how excited you are to come to church the next service after you watch that. I've never watched something that I shouldn't have, and man, wanted to have a prayer meeting. Uh, once I set a direction, I wanted to keep going that direction, because that's the, that's the seduction of Sodom. That's the allure of Sodom. Amen. The next time that we'll see him, as we read here in a little bit, he is in the city of Sodom. He's now living in the gate of Sodom. Amen. And, uh, and it will cost him everything he owns. Lot followed Abram into Egypt. And the surrounding lands, and he saw and experienced Egypt. He got a taste of the world. And now, when he looked towards Sodom, he didn't see the potential sin. He didn't see the potential wickedness. In fact, uh, in in chapter fourteen, Amen. If you want to turn there, chapter fourteen of Genesis, verse ten. This tells the story of how when he got down into the land of Sodom, that. The, they arose a war, and this war began to be so wild that they took away Lot and everything he owned. You should notice something else that Lot missed. Verse 10, and the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits. What he thought was water was slime. What he thought was good for cattle was slime. What he thought was, what he thought was uh, well watered was not well watered. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they took the goods of Sodom, Gomorrah, and all their victuals. Notice verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, and that which dwelt in Sodom. If he would have never been there, if he'd have never pitched his tent, because he started on the mountain, and he just set his direction, and then he, he started having the allure of Sodom and the seduction of Sodom that got him to move a little closer. I want to tell you that's how flesh and carnality is. That's how sin in the world is. It just gets you to move a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, until you are in the gates of the city and you can't find your way out. That's how the devil plays. Amen. He wants you to start out just a little bit, but he knows I'm going to get you further than you ever thought you'd go. I'm going to hold on to you. In fact, the Bible says he took everything that Lot had. Everything. Now notice verse 14. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants and they pursued unto Dan. Amen. And verse number, let's go to... Verse 16, and he brought back all the goods and brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women and the people. I want to tell you, this is Old Testament typology of, of the fivefold ministry. Amen. 
a God-called minister, a God-called man, the church of the living God that goes and finds people like the prodigal son that have fallen into sin. And when we hear our brothers in sin, we don't, we don't laugh, we don't scoff, we don't mock. I want to tell you what the church does. The church says, get me my armor, get me my weapons. I'm going to go fight for my brother's salvation. Hallelujah. When I see somebody in the church missing it, I want to tell you what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to pray. It makes me want to sit down with them. It makes me want to, it doesn't make me want to look down on them. It makes me want to sit down with them and help them up. That's what the Bible says. You that are spiritual, strengthen such a one in the spirit of meekness. It ought to, something ought to rise up in us when we see our brother fallen and taken in a fault that we don't just laugh at him or say, well, glad it wasn't me. No, it should make us go, you know what, I, I knew you set your direction the wrong way. I knew, I knew that was a bad idea, but this is not time for an I told you so. This is a time for let me help you out. Let me get you up from this. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. And I can't tell you how many times I've preached and taught and I've, I've seen people in, in a mess. I've counseled and I've worked with people. I've taught them Bible studies. I've sat down with them for coffee and I've talked them off of a ledge. I've talked them out of Sodom and Gomorrah only for them to say, thank you for getting all my stuff back. And they go right back into it. But you know what happens when somebody does that? You keep praying for them. You keep fighting for him. Amen. I want you to notice something about the scriptures. Abram never gave up on Lot. Abram never stopped praying for Lot. Abram never stopped interceding for Lot. Don't give up on anybody, no matter how far it seems they've fallen. Amen. But he prayed and he brought back all of the stuff of his brother Lot. I preached many times where I've seen people. And it's, I want to tell you what this is. The Bible says that with, with meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, that peradventure God might grant them repentance and that they might recover themselves from the snare of the devil. I want to tell you what preaching does for you is it helps you recover all the things the enemy stole in your life. Every While I'm teaching this here tonight, the Holy Ghost will speak to you about some things you lost. And, and I want to tell you, you can get it back tonight. Hallelujah. You can get it back tonight. You can get it back when Brother Claiborne's preaching on Sunday. You can get it back in a prayer meeting. You don't have to let it go. You don't let to have, have to let Sodom keep it. You can get it back. But I want to tell you, you get it back because there's people of God that are fighting for you to get it back. Amen. Lot didn't realize he was blessed because of who he was following. And I've seen people miss this. Amen. There's something called apostolic succession. Amen. I'm, I'm blessed of God. Amen. The Bible talks about that the anointing of God, anointing oil of God flows down Aaron and it flows down his beard and onto his garments. You have to be in alignment for there to be a, a flow of blessing and a flow of anointing. This is what he told Abram. I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. In other words, you've got to be in a connection and an alignment. I'm blessed today, amen, primarily because of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, if I've got a blessing on my life, you can agree with me or disagree with me, that's fine. But I know where my blessing comes from. Because, amen, 21 years ago today, I came into Cornerstone Pentecostal Church in Spokane Valley. I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in Jesus' name. And Pastor Rick Mayo began to preach the Word of God to me on Sunday. He began to teach the Word of God to me on Wednesday. And I line myself uh, underneath that man. I want to tell you, I would not be here today if it wasn't for an Abram. I would not be here today if it wasn't for a pastor. I, 
That may not be your story, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Thank God for the man of God that when I was lost and I lost things, he helped me recover them. He helped me get them back. I thank God for the warring. I thank God for the praying. I thank God for the preaching. Lot, he missed it. His blessing didn't come from him. It came from who he was following. Paul put it best. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you are following, amen, apostolic succession, then we are still following the people that followed those that followed Paul that followed Christ. Amen. It goes all the way down, and the blessings begin to flow. Amen. But when somebody says, I can live for God without a man of God, I can live for God without a church, I want to tell you, you are out of the Bible. You are out of the will of God. It's not going to work for you. I wouldn't trade my pastor for nothing. I wouldn't trade my church for nothing. Amen. I know where the blessings flowed. I know where the anointing flowed. I know where I got I got lost, and I know where I got saved. I got lost in the world, but I got saved in the church. I got depressed in the world but I got saved in the church. I got healed in the church. I got feel the Holy Ghost. I didn't come to preach, but I felt it on me. Amen. Don't forget where the flow goes. Amen. There's people, well, I could do it by myself. Good luck. Good luck. Amen. We, we as Christians don't believe in luck, but we do now. Good luck. Amen. I don't want to base my life on luck. I want to base it on the Word of God and the principles of God's Word. God always blesses his word. He always favors his principles. And if you will be a principled individual and live based on those principles, the principles of submission to authority, the principles of separation from the world, if you live by principles of spirituality and the scriptures, you will be blessed. And everybody said amen. And so verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet amen, him, and he offered him all these things. I want you to notice on verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him. Now verse 18, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which means peace, brought forth bread and wine. And he blessed him and he blessed Abram and said, he, he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. And he, and he, and blessed be the most high God, which delivered thine enemies into thy hand and gave him, and he gave tithes unto, of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for thyself. I want you to just notice something for, for a moment. Amen. It is Abram who is walking with God, who is up on a mountain, who is looking for a city who's, who, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then you've got Lot, who's pitching his tent towards Sodom, ends up in the plains of Sodom. And now he's being captured alongside the king of Sodom. And there comes another king, the king of Salem, the king of peace. And we'll talk about this next week a little bit more. And there's two kings, and one brings forth bread and wine. Does that sound, anybody's a Bible scholar, that sounds familiar. Jesus took bread and he took wine and he broke it and he blessed it. Amen. Moses, as he's getting ready for the first, they took the lamb and the blood of the lamb and they took the bread, the show bread, and they begin to break it and they begin to multiply and take it. Amen. I want to tell you this is the first communion in the Bible. You got spirituality and you got carnality. You've got Egypt and you've got the, the mountains of God. There will always be another option to the will of God. Egypt or God's country. Sodom or salvation sought the king of Sodom or the king of peace Melchizedek the world or the church lost or saved everybody's got a choice first John chapter 2 verse 15 if you have your Bibles we're coming to a close here in just a few moments 
1 John chapter 2, verse 15, near the end of your Bible, and then we'll be going back to Genesis and finishing there. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not that God doesn't love you, it's that you don't have room to love God. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Every person in this building, you've got a decision whether or not you want to live for God. Nobody will ever take that choice from you. Every person that's in this house, you have a choice whether you're going to be separated unto God or not, whether you're going to be in church or not, whether you're going to be saved or not. You have the opportunity whether you're going to be submitted to God and, uh, and, and spiritual authority or not. That's your choice. Everybody's got a choice whether you're going to love God or love the world. There's always a choice. But those that do the will of God abide forever. Chapter 19 of Genesis. He's now in Sodom. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. But God sent an angel of the Lord to Abram. See, this is the part that Lot didn't see. Lot only saw his sin. He only saw what was surrounding him. But he didn't see the other side of the coin. He didn't see that Abram was getting visited by God. And Abram was praying for him. And Abram was interceding for, for Lot. All he saw was, I'm stuck and I can't get out. But because, because of a man of God, because of Abram, Lot is about to get delivered from Sodom. Verse 1, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold, now, my lords, turn, ye, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night. and Wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Okay. Verse 3. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Why did he press on them to get out of the streets of Sodom? It was vile. It was wicked. In fact, we're going to read about it a little bit. I know there's some younger people here, but we're going to read it. It's in the Bible. Amen. you you, you got to understand, he never thought it would be that bad. But now he's in the gates, and he sees these two angels of the Lord. And they say, well, no, we're just going to sleep in the streets. And he says, no, 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 you, you can't do that here. How many here would like to just go camping in L.A.? Well, there's a lot of folks that like camping in L.A. Um, just kidding. But uh, how about San Francisco? In fact, they say right now, if you take your car to San Francisco, San Francisco, it will be broken into. They've never been able to say that. They said it might, but they're saying it will be broken into. In fact, people are just rolling their windows down, putting a sign up that says, I don't have anything. You can search my car. Just please don't break my windows. And it is nothing in comparison to what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. He is now in the city of sin. His house is there. He's no longer in a tent. He's in a fixed location. He is in a permanent location. He is inside of Sodom. Verses 4 through 11. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter. Notice that, old and young. I want you to notice the weakness of Sodom, and we're going to talk about this here in a minute. 
And they called a lot, and they said to him, Where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. This is, this is uh, biblical words. Amen. Hallelujah. All the adults understand me. And Lot went out at the door and said to them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray unto you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters. I want you to notice this. This is, this is how far. When you give yourself over to the wrong direction, and you give yourself over to sin, I know this is a little more intense here tonight. Uh, we'll talk about some happy blessings some next week. But uh, this, is, this is the reality of, of life. Amen. He's so far gone in his mind that this is the logic he has now. He's been in Sodom so long that this is just normal for him. And this is his logic. I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray thee, bring them out unto you and do, as, uh, do unto them as is good in your eyes. Only these men do nothing, for they came under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be judge. Now we will dwell, deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Okay, we're going to read the remaining verses here in a minute. This is how wicked the city of Sodom was. This is what Lot could not, he didn't have enough foresight to see. He didn't see how bad sin really is. He didn't see how bad, it's just one party. How bad can it be? He didn't see the long run. He didn't see the end game. He just thought it looks good. He didn't see the slime pits. He didn't see the wickedness. He didn't see the perversion. And now he's there and he's got angels. And I'll talk about this for a moment. I've seen people do this where they, they get so twisted in their mind that they will sacrifice their families and they'll call it spirituality. As long as I can keep the angels, I'll, I'll be all right. I want to tell you, it is the will of God for you to save your family. It is the will of God for you to save your house. Well, I'm spiritual. I, got, I, I know people get all spiritually kooky. Well, the Lord still speaks to me, and they're offering their kids up to all sorts of wickedness. It's like, no, 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 don't get it twisted. Just because the angels are there, the angels are there to judge. The angels are there to try to save. I want to tell you, it's not there as validation for your lifestyle. Amen. God is not validating what you're doing. God is trying to save you from what you're doing. Amen. And that's how wicked the city was. From the oldest to the youngest, they said, give us the men. The perversion, listen, our world the Bible even says, as it was in the days of, of Noah, so shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. And then it says, as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord rained down fiery judgment upon the earth. That's what's going to happen in the last days. I want to tell you, our world is getting closer and closer and closer. We are, we are, let me just say this for a moment. We are so cloistered in America because we forget a lot of our principles. I'm not saying this is a Christian nation. This has never been a Christian nation. But it has been founded on some Christian principles and biblical principles. But there are people that they think, they think that, that this is normal. For example, when, it, when we talk about not murdering, we're in America, we're like, of course you don't murder, that's bad. Where did we learn that? Where did we learn that? We learned that from the Bible. Amen. When we, when we start looking at, at things that we would call wrong or sinful, where did we learn that? We learn that from the Bible. And we take for granted that in our society, there are things that are seen as immoral. 
But I want to tell you here today, we're getting ready to switch into a post-Christian society where they're now calling evil good and good evil. And it's starting to shift and morality is starting to shift. And now you have to talk to me the way I want to be talked to. And you've got to affirm. And I want to tell you, they, they're using words like tolerance, but they don't really mean tolerance. It doesn't mean that you do your thing, I'll do my thing. That's tolerance. What they mean is you got to agree with me and you got to accept what I'm doing as right. But that's not it. That's not tolerance. That's now you've assimilated me into your mindset. And now Lot is living in Sodom and he's letting their mindset assimilate from the oldest to the youngest. Verses 10 and 11. But the angels, the men, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house and they shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, that they wearied themselves to find the door. I want to tell you what wickedness will do. You can, if you say no to God, you say no to the church, you say no to separation, amen, you start saying yes to your flesh, it'll take you so far. They were blinded. Let me just tell you what this means. Lust does not have eyes. Lust does not have eyes. It will, it will pull. I want to tell you, I've seen this before, and I'm, 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 I'm past my time right now, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I have seen people in church that have been given over to all sorts of perversions, and, and, it, and it doesn't even make logical sense. Amen. Because lust doesn't have eyes, and it will just continue. And sin, sin, you can blind sin, but it'll keep groping for the door, trying to find the doorknob, because it still wants what it wants. And if you don't tell your flesh no, way early on, it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger that even if God blinded it, it's going to keep reaching, it's going to keep trying. Amen. I want to tell you, this is this is where we've got to be very conscientious of how sin operates in the lives of men and women. Amen. I want to tell you, this is why you got to get out of the world. This is why you got to get out of sin. This is why you got to get out of Sodom. This is why when God gives you an opportunity to repent, you got to repent because you don't want to be left in a place where sin has its reign. Let's stand across the building, lift up our hands. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I don't want to miss out on the will of God. I don't want to miss out on what God is calling and what God is speaking. If, if God is calling you out of some things, if God is convicting you of some things, it is, it is something you ought to listen to God because even if you get too deep, I want to tell you, God will send angels and God will send preachers, amen, but your flesh will keep rising up and it will keep trying to do all sorts of mess and it will feel like a trap and it will take a miracle and an act of God and God will do it, but don't wait until you get that far in to get out. If we look through the scriptures, <laughs> it was the mercy of God that got Lot out. In fact, while they're trying to get him out of the city, Lot is still asking to go into a little city. Just let me keep a little of my sin. Let me just keep a little. And Lot, got, Lot lost his son-in-laws. He lost his other daughters. And then the Bible says God gave one requirement. Don't look back. Verse 26 of chapter 19. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I know this is real intense here tonight. But this is real. 
we can shout and jump, and we do. And I thank God for that. But there is also a reality. If you don't get right with God, you're going to lose things. If you, let me just say it again. If we, I'm not saying you as top down, as we, if we don't get some things right with God through repentance, we're going to start losing things. It started with Lot losing his freedom, and then it, it was Lot losing his stuff. There's some people, well, I've, I'm, I've got, I've, I'm blessed, I'm so blessed, I don't need God anymore. That stuff won't stay for long. And then we start losing our family. We start losing our relationship. We start losing our marriages. I want to tell you that when you have a foundation of God and you strip away that foundation, everything else collapses and everything else crumbles. It was the mercy of God that got Lot out. Amen. Verses 30 through 38, I won't read it. But, but they get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They get up into the mountains. Finally, they finally got where God was trying to lead them in the first place. And the Bible declares that his daughters got him drunk. And they produced children. And those children became the Moabites and the Ammonites. So when you go, Pastor, why, do, why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? As you read your Bible, you're going to find the Moabites and the Ammonites causing problems. Well, my decisions and my direction don't really matter. Yes, they do. Every decision and every direction matters. Sin carries with it a curse that can continue on for generation after generation after generation. Because Lot decided to set his direction and make decisions by his flesh, it caused trouble throughout the rest of the scriptures, and it still causes problems today. But I got good news for you. I don't want to leave you on a low. Has anybody ever read the book of Ruth? Does anybody remember where Ruth comes from? She's a Moabitess. And she produces a grandkid by the name of David. And David's lineage produces a Jesus. I want to tell you, for those that have made mistakes, I don't want to make you feel like you're just lost and there's no hope for you. Amen. Even if you've ended up in Sodom, you've made mistakes, you've done wrong, you can come to this altar tonight. You can get it under the blood. You can get it washed. And God can redeem all of that mess. In fact, would you lift up your hands all across this building as we pray? We're going to continue on in Abraham next week. We're going to talk about the blessings of Abraham. We're going to talk about all those other things. But right now, I want you to pray right now because there's some things your flesh has been leading you towards, directing you towards. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you can get that under the blood today, and God can redeem that. In fact, I want to open up these altars. Would you come down to the front and begin to pray? I don't want my flesh to have rain in my life. If you've set your direction and it's the wrong direction, I want you to come and pray about it right now. And say, God, would you help me repent? Which simply means to change my direction. Come on, let's, let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Right now, if maybe you've done some things and you, you've done some things you're not proud of and you've ended up in a place like Sodom where it's wicked and you didn't ask, you didn't, you didn't realize how bad it would be, I want to tell you, no matter how bad it is, God can deliver you from it and God can free you from it. But you got to pray about it right now.
Come on, let's pray in this house. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and let's pray. Right now, Lot, you can leave Sodom today. Brother, sister, you can walk away. You don't have to stay in that sin. You don't have to stay in that mess. You can get free right now. Let us not lift our souls to another. So give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let this be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, O oh God of Jacob. O oh God, let this be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, O oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts. Come on. We bend our God wash. Knees. God forgives. Oh, God delivers. But you gotta ask him to help. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let this be a generation that seeks seeks your face oh god of jacob oh god let this be a generation that seeks who seeks your face oh god of jacob so give us clean hands and give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another. If you're praying, I want you to keep praying. I meant to say this earlier, but I think it's important for where we are right now. What was the sin of Sodom? Anybody know what's the sin of what was the sin of Sodom? Most people would say it was sexual immorality. That was just part of it. That was the fruit. And I want to teach you about sin for just a second. It doesn't start as fruit. It starts at the root. Ezekiel 16 and 49 says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride. Well, we don't live in Sodom and Gomorrah, Pastor. Why does this matter? Why are we talking about this? 
we live in a prideful nation. We're, if we're going to be honest, from the pastor to the pew, we're a prideful people. And I'm proud to be an American. We're pride. We're proudful. Prideful. I don't think there's all wrong with having love of certain things, but we're so proud. Sometimes we're too proud to pray, too proud to go to the altar, too proud to go to church, too proud to repent, too proud to apologize. That's where Sodom starts is pride. In America, we have an entire month dedicated to pride. Everybody wants to talk about the fruit. But what about the root? Pride. Fullness of bread. We have, we have an overabundance of, of, we are so full. We're full with physical food. Amen, I'm, that's one thing I am thankful for. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But you know, I think that goes beyond just full of food. We have an overabundance of content. We have an overabundance of entertainment. We have an overabundance. We're full. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of, no, 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 no. Go back to the root. Pride. Fullness of bread. Abundance of idleness. I want to tell you, we have so much time on our hands because of modern conveniences that we're given over to all sorts of idle wickedness. You know what they used to say when they started selling washing machines and all that stuff? They started saying it'll save you so much time. You know what they asked? Time for what? They said, well, you'll figure it out. And I want to tell you, America has figured it out. Now we have more time. We have more conveniences. And conveniences lead to more idleness. And then we start getting off into things. Somebody said that the devil's playground is idleness. When people get idle in church, idle in their walk with God, the devil starts messing. Praise God. Finally, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. It became about me. Wow, Pastor, are we talking about America? Are we talking about Sodom and Gomorrah? Both. Because now it's all about me. Paul said, in the last days, they'll be lovers of their own selves. It's all about me. They were haughty, and here comes the fruit, and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. If we don't take the, the axe, as the Bible says, and lay it to the root, when I start feeling my pride rise up, I know it's time to go on a fast. When I start finding my flesh rising up, it's time to go on a prayer meeting. It's time to get a hold of God because I don't ever want there to get a day where I'm so far into this mess. I'm doing things and I'm justifying them that God has to see fit to take us out of the way. I want to tell you, no church is permanent if they don't stay right with God. No church. No church. There's greater than us that have fallen. Greater men than I have fallen. Greater churches than us have fallen. But if we give ourselves over to pride and the fullness of bread and idleness and we start becoming so haughty in our spirit, we'll start, we'll start getting so self-absorbed that we no longer do the things that we are called to do. And then God has to take us out of the way as he sees fit. This is why it's important for us to be in the Bible. 
This is why it's important for us to be in church. This is why it's important. Amen. I know that's intense, but I want to tell you because what does it do? It rubs against my flesh. It gets me to pray. It gets me to the altar. Would you lift up your hands one more time all across this building? God, I don't want to be so consumed with this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I don't want to be so consumed with sin and with this old world that I, I fall and that you got to take me out of the way that I start giving myself over to all these other things. God, I don't want to be so consumed with entertainment that I, I forget to come to the house of the Lord. I, I don't want to become so idle that I forget to worship. I, I don't want to become so full that I'm too tired to serve God. I don't want to become so prideful, God, that I forget that I need need you every moment. Somebody pray in this house. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you here tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. And I pray that tonight this lesson would help lead us back towards you. Lot made it out of Sodom by the grace of God. And I believe the grace of God is still available today to lead us out of all of that. God, guide us in your word. Lead us in your word. Bring us back safely to the house of the Lord and help us to find somebody else. Amen. Like Abram, look for his brother Lot. Help us to find somebody else that needs you and bring them to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday.